Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. something tonight um, that um, I believe it's uh, it's first place in anything because it's foundational. And uh, I won't teach you anything that you don't know. Most times we don't. Sometimes we're just reminded of what we thought we knew and kind of let slip. And probably in America, this message slips a lot uh, because we're living in a country, blessed to live here, that um, has many creature comforts, doesn't it? And if you've never been out of the country, um, I guess we wouldn't know, but uh, those who have would probably agree with me. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 Jesus asked the question, he says, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. For he is like a man which built a house. He dug deep, laid a foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose... The stream did beat vehemently upon the house, and it could not shake it. For it, the house, was founded upon a rock. He that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation. He built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The, uh, the Passion Translation <clears throat> says a little bit different. Let me read it. It says, What good does it do for you? What good does it do for you to say that I am your Lord and Master if what I teach you is not put into practice? Now, I don't know about you, when I read the Bible, here's how I read that. He's no longer talking to the disciples. He's now talking to me. That's how I read the Bible. Because if it's not applicable to 2018 in your life, then what do we need it for, right? So this is what Jesus is saying to me. I, I won't say it for you, but this is what he's asking me. What good does it for you? What good does it do for you to say that I am your Lord and Master if what I teach you is not put into practice? Let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. This is Jesus' description. He is a man who chooses the right place to build a house, then he then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms and the floods rage against that house, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the tempest. For it has been wisely built on the right foundation. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds a house without laying a foundation whatsoever. When the storms and the floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse. This house will become a total loss. Which of these two builders will you be? Like how it ends that. Which of the two builders are you going to be? Foundation. Let's talk about foundation. So I just looked up the word foundation just in dictionaries. And it says the basis, starting point, 
It's the infrastructure. It's the foot. It's the base. It's the bedrock. It's the core. It's the essence. It's the heart. Um, that upon which anything is founded, that on which anything stands. And if you liken it to, of course, building a house, what Jesus did, and if you have any experience in building, and if you don't, you've, you've heard at least that the foundation is the most important thing. Is that right? Uh, I have people in here old enough to know what I'm about to say. And I'm not saying this because of anybody in here. <clears throat> but I've had many young people tell me about marriage and counseling. They said, well, we don't think we need a lot of counseling because we love each other. <laughs> they said, all we need is love. Well, there's a song that says that. All we need is love. Who's that? The Beatles? <clears throat> you know, it's going to be love and, and then we're going to have to qualify uh, what kind of love we're talking about, right? Well, statistically, still in America, 50% of marriages in the first five years will end in divorce. So either they didn't have love, the kind they're talking about, or else they didn't put it into practice, or they needed something to love in, right? Because statistically, something's not working. So how many know that the marriage, a marriage has to have a proper foundation. A family has to proper foundation. A business needs a foundation. A church needs a foundation. Our lives need a foundation, right? Because when, when Jesus said, when the storm comes, not if it comes, but when it comes, he said, when it comes, if you, were, if you are obeying my teaching, if you're obeying my teaching, he said, when the storm comes and it hits you, he said, your house will not be ruined. If you do not put into practice what I teach you and when the storm comes. So we see the storm comes to both people. So if you're not obeying, he said, the, the room would be great. He says, which builder are you? So we see that it's, it's right and good to lay a foundation. So what's the foundation? Well, it's the beginning of anything. It's the starting place of anything. It's the first part of anything. It's the root of anything. It's the most important part of any building. Now, it's not the most attractive, is it? I mean, it's, you might say, well, when are they going to put the sheetrock in? Well, it's coming, but not now. It determines the longevity. It determines what it can carry and can't carry. It's the depth of the building that determines the height of the building. It's what remains when everything goes down. Is the unseen part of the building, of the structure. It is the most concrete part of the building. And any architect knows that a solid foundation is essential to any building. Amen. Now, go with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to get, kind of get into our subject. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, I don't know, we may hit this Sunday. Uh, I don't know if we will or not. But there's a lot to be said here. I'm, uh, I'm reading uh, an old book I read years ago. Um, I guess you can still buy it, but you can actually read it online. And uh, if you like doing stuff like that. And the book's by A.A. A. Allen. You know who I'm talking about? A.A. Uh, A. A. Allen, uh, 
had a miracle ministry. He had a revival ministry. And uh, before he did that, he pastored for a while. And just to take the whole thing and summarize it into a, a statement, he became dissatisfied with life. He became dissatisfied with his ministry. He became dissatisfied with results. And, it, and because of that, he told his wife, I'm going to see God. He said, because we've seen a measure of some things. He said, but I'm going to you know, just be honest. With what I'm reading in the, in the ministry of Jesus and his disciples, that's not happening. And he was, he was just honest with himself. He said, we're not seeing signs. We're not really seeing wonders. We're not seeing miracles. We're not seeing what the book of Acts did. We're not seeing even what, the, what Jesus did. We're not seeing what Jesus' disciples did very much, and I'm going to find out why. I'm going to find out why I can't get the same results they did. So he told his wife, I'm going to lock myself into a room. I'm going to stay in the room. He says, he turned the, he turned the door knob the other way, put the lock on her side, and said, even if I ask you to come out, he says, don't let me out. And I'm going to stay in here until, until God shows up. So he said he went in there and started praying. And he didn't see anything. And he didn't hear anything. And he didn't feel anything. And all of a sudden, he said he got real hungry. And all of a sudden, he said she was making a pot roast or something. And then the smell came under the door. And he couldn't stand it more, so he went. And she opened the door. He said, I need to come out. So he came out and took two or three bites. She said, oh, what are you doing? He says, well, I don't know. He said, I just... He said, how long have I been in there? Uh, is it most of the day? She said, you ain't even been there in an hour. <laughs> he said, what? So he really felt condemned, you know. <laughs> I mean, he, combination all over. So he got up from his plate. He pushed it away. And he said, I'm going in there. And he says, no matter what I do, if I squall, cry, beg, whatever, don't open the door. She said, I'm not doing all that. He said, no, promise me you will. So he went in there, got in the closet. And he sought God, he cried out to God and prayed and sought God and worshiped God and thanked God and prayed and prayed in tongues and all that. Didn't hear from God, didn't see God, God didn't show up. And uh, she said, what do you want? He said, I need to come out. She said, don't, he said, you said don't let you out. He says, well, well, just this time. Let him out and he fooled around, done some things, ate some more, had a snack felt more condemned than he did the first time. He, he did that three times. And she said, why don't you just forget about it? Why don't you just be happy with your ministry? He said, how can I be happy? How, how can I tell people Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And he's not. How can I, how can I keep telling people things that there's no evidence of? So he said, he said, I set my mind. I went back in there, and I went in the, I went in the closet. He says, and I prayed, and after a period of time, he said, all of a sudden, the closet began to fill up with light. He said, I thought my wife opened the door and turned on the light, but it wasn't her. He said, and the presence got so strong, I asked, I realized it was God. He said, it got so strong. He said, I thought I was going to die with his presence. And I asked the Lord, if that's you, please take some of this away, because I don't think I can stand this. I think I'm going to die. And uh, he said, please don't leave me, but please don't be this powerful. And so the Lord began to talk to him about what he was asking him about. And he said, you know, he didn't think, it, you know, that there would be such a big answer to it. So he didn't think about, you know, having something to write with. <laughs> like, are you serious? <laughs> so he got to digging around 
in his pocket and he found a little short pencil, he said. So he asked the Lord, he said, please, please wait. Uh, I want to get everything. Please wait. So he said, I couldn't find nothing. So he said, I sharpened it with my teeth. And there was a cardboard box in the closet. So he, he took that, he tore the sides off of it. And I guess he made his equivalent to Moses' tablets, you know. And he said, then the Lord was gracious and he started over. I don't know how long he was in there. He was in there a long time. Well, A. A. Allen put in, into print um, what the Lord gave him in the closet that day of why he, A. A. Allen, was not seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. He said, he gave me 13 things, but I'm only going to put 11 things in print. He said, two of them are so personal, I couldn't even tell my wife, and she respected that. So I never have told her and never will tell her. And the Lord says, when you, by my grace, deal with these issues in your life, he said, you'll see what you long to see. A. Allen, by his own testimony, said, I thought before I'd get him off the list one by one, I thought I would die. So he put him in print. He says, your list may be different than mine, but he says, I'm pretty sure a lot of what is my issues would be a lot of people's issues. So he put them in print and made a book out of it. And uh, it took him five years to finish the list. After he finished the list, marked him off. The next meeting he went to, they came out of wheelchairs. Eyes popped open, the deaf heard, the lame walked, the blind did see. So he discusses some of these things, his, his points, the things the Lord talked to him about for him. And then it kind of gave him like a mini sermonette or a teaching to go with each one of them. I, I've read that three times through the years and uh, reading it some the other day. Uh, what I believe the Lord gave me out of that was, uh, although I'm still reading that, um, he gave me one word and said major on this. And that word's uh, lordship. Lordship. Now, when you're talking to people who come on Wednesday night, you're talking to the choir section, usually. But you're the only ones who didn't really have nothing to do tonight. And you was well rested, so you came on. Hmm? No, it's, it's, it's by choice, isn't it? It's by choice. And so, uh, Lordship is a lot different than, you know, we, we call Jesus Savior, and he is, but there's a difference between Savior and Lord, isn't there? We want to distinguish some of that tonight. I'm just going to just kind of lay a foundation that we can uh, go forward with um, Sunday or some other time. But in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, Paul said, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God. But he, Jesus, made himself of no reputation. Jesus took upon himself the form of a servant, and he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things under the earth or of the earth, 
and things under the earth. And every tongue will confess that she'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. I decided from now on when I preach this, something like this, I won't say something I believe the heart, I believe the Lord knew my heart in it, but I think there's a better way of saying probably the way I've always said it when I minister something along these lines. When you preach something like this, when you get to the through it, you might say something like this, how many want Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Or how many want Jesus to be Lord of? Well, I think that's probably an incorrect way to say it. He already is Lord. There's a difference between him being Lord and me being submissive. There's a difference between him being Lord and me being yielded. Me deciding that doesn't make him Lord. He's already Lord. You say, well, of your life. I, I get that, but I, I just want to, I just want to bring that over to it by itself. And I, I think it needs to stand on its own that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, which means he's master, which means he's ruler, which means he's boss, which means he's sovereign ruler, which means he's king of kings, and he's Lord of lords. And whether I get in on that or not, he's still Lord. Whether I choose to submit to that in the higher form of that, he's still Lord. It's just whether he will or will not be something to me in my life. So we see here that Jesus... We know that he stripped himself of all deity coming from heaven to be born on the earth. And he laid that aside and he, and he was born a human. God chose to take on flesh and become human. And so he laid all that aside and then became further obedient all the way to the cross. Paid man's debt, paid man's sin, abolished all of our sin went to hell for three days, needed the Holy Spirit to raise him up for that, and now he's the firstborn among many brethren. And so he is our Lord. So, say it this way, the message of the New Testament and the gospel itself is not Jesus is the answer. That's not the message. Sounds okay. See, there's a higher place that we need to go to because you can find a lot of answers to a lot of stuff from a lot of people. You can get you a good book and maybe find you an answer. You can go to Webster's and look up a, an answer. You can, you can Google something and get an answer. So the gospel is not Jesus is the answer. The gospel message is simply this in its entirety, that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of all. So in the Bible, the word Savior, I thought was very interesting, the word Savior is found 37 times, so it's not isolated. You could, you could build a doctrine that you could find the word Savior 37 times. However, if you do a word search, the word Lord is found 7,736 times, which is a little bit more than 37 times. Hmm? Now, here's a verse you, we should look at. Romans 14. Eight and nine. Why don't you look at that one? I'll give you time to get there. Or if we're going to look at it here, however you want to do it. 
Romans 14, 8 and 9. I'm reading in the New King James Version. It says, For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We're who? Not Savior, we're the Lord's. So he said, if you're, if you're alive, you're born again, he said, you should live to the Lord. And when you leave this planet and you die, he said, die to the Lord. Therefore, whether you live or die, you're the Lord's. No confusion there, is there? For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. So who's the Lord of all? Jesus is. Whether they be living or whether they be the dead, he's the Lord of the living and the dead. So the saving work of Christ not only cleansed us, you might say, from the pollution of sin, but he freed us from the power of sin. He broke, he broke Satan's dominion. He broke Satan's power. Romans, what is it? Chapter 8 or chapter 6, is, uh, 6, 14, I think it is. says, sin shall have no dominion over you. For you're not under the law, you're under grace. Sin shall have no dominion over you. Well, let's take it a step further. How many others are affected of sin? Because of, because of rebellion, because of sin, all back in the Garden of Eden, mankind's been paying for that since that happened, right? So if sin has no dominion over us, then how about the cause or the effect of sin should have no through, through the death of Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If he removed the penalty, right, if he made us not guilty, if he justified us and put us back into right standing with God, then we shouldn't even have to have the cause and the effect of what sin caused. Why? Because I'm not under the dominion. So when something attacks your life, or your home, or your body, or whatever, we should be able to say, you have no just cause here, for I'm not under your dominion. You, you're not my Lord, and I'm not guilty, so you have no dominion to even do this. You know, uh, When's the last time you heard a bunch of Americans trying to uh, immigrate into Mexico, scaling the walls to get over there? Mexico got a big problem with us getting over don't they, all the time? Catching, releasing, and sending them back over here? No one ever heard of that, did they? But we have a big issue the other way. The reason is because they want to be here because they, want, they got dreams, they got hopes. They like to eat regular. I know there's drug cartel and all that, but the majority of folks I don't think are probably drug cartel folks. They're impoverished, and they want to come to a nation because when you become when you come into a nation legally, and in our case, looks like illegally, you still get benefits. So when you come here and you're and as we are, we're citizens of the United States of America. You're you're a citizen of the richest nation on the planet. With that citizenship comes all type of privileges. Right? 
And they want to get in on some of these privileges. They want to be able to go to school. I mean, when, when we went to a graduation here a couple months ago, over here at the Jimison uh, Elementary School with, with Lexi, and, and, and I'm not saying anything bad about this, it's just an observation. I mean, I'd say at least 40% of the people who was being, uh, that was AB Honor Roll Awards that day, and uh, Lexi was, and, but, and so it wasn't everyone on there, but it was, uh, I'd say 40% of the class was Hispanic. It wasn't that when you was growing up. How many of y'all grew up and went to school with a bunch of Hispanic folks? No, you didn't. If you're over 30, you didn't. If you're my age, no, you didn't, because I was there. Unless they all came on the days I didn't show up. It was quite a few days, basically. <laughs> but, uh, but there wasn't that many Hispanics, right? And now I'd like to say they everywhere. Why? They want to come to the land of opportunity. They want to enjoy the privileges of being in this nation. Well, the Bible says that we're in this world, but we're not of the world. And your citizenship is not even from America. Your citizenship is not from Alabama, where you was born. Your, our citizenship is from where? It's from heaven itself. Why? Because it comes out of our lordship. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Right? So we are a king of the king. We are one of the lords of the Lord. So people use all kind of terminology, nothing wrong with it. It's part of just being the South. We say the good Lord and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's, that's more of a Southern thing. You go up north, they don't say so much about the good Lord. And he is good. So I'm not knocking that at all. But I, I'm just trying to bring it to a place of preeminence where you understand he is. He is God. He is Lord. He is the supreme being of the universe. And that's who saved you. It was God who was in Christ who went to the cross. You ever thought about that? Who went to the cross? Who really went to the cross? God went to the cross and died for my sins. God who was in Christ reconciling me back to him. It was God, the Amplified says this, Second Corinthians, it says it was God who was personally present in Christ reconciling you to himself. Can you imagine God going to the cross and being guilty for mankind's sins? So God took the responsibility. Not only did he help you, God took the responsibility for man's sin. Hmm. So what happens when we understand that he's Lord? And I don't want to get out tonight because then if I do Sunday, I got to start all over again. Yay, Pastor. Praise the Lord. So here we go. Lordship is different than church membership. Lordship is not just Christianity 101. He is your life. Wouldn't you think that probably the majority of Christians who, who attend church, the majority, and I probably have a little better, better perspective of this than most people by virtue of what I do, but wouldn't you think the majority of Christians are fitting God into their daily life? Would you all agree with that summarization? They're good people that love God, probably going to heaven but they're kind of fitting God into their life. Well, that means you have a, a Christian life, a home life. you got a church life. you got a work Christian life. You, we have all these kind of lives, and we're only called to have one kind of life, and that's the Christ life. 
So we don't fit God into our life, do we? No, he, He's Lord. He's master. He's, he's supreme being of the universe. He bought us with a price. That means he's really to call the shots. Now, this is not a real popular message, so you won't see many people running around and shouting. Hmm? Right? Well, pa Paul gives the analogy over in Timothy. He says, and, and he calls you and I Christians, he, he makes a comparison analogy to that of soldiers. And then he gives us an analogy of the military. And he says, when you come to Christ, he said, you, you come for his service. You come to serve him. Not for him to serve you. God, I need you to help me with my needs. God, I need you to help me with my life. God, I need you to bless me with this and bless me with that and bless me with this and bless me with that. But if you ever looked at most of the blessings that we're asking for, very few of them ever have eternal value to them. Neither car that God bless you with is he going to take to heaven. I've been with a lot of people when they passed and after they passed, and he left everybody's toothbrush. The rich and the poor. Didn't need it. And you've heard me say it before. If the Lord doesn't need your underwear, he's he, he just, he, he's, he's stocked. <laughs> right? So, <clears throat> here's the deal. Jesus freed us from the power of sin and Satan. He rescued us from the, of the dominion of darkness. He brought us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom, the Bible says, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, which is Colossians 1, 13, 14. And after Christ redeemed us, that is, He bought us back. Bought us back. He redeemed you. He bought you. So you're legally His. He bought you. You've been bought with a price. He, you weren't auctioned off. He paid a high price for us. Your worth is based on what he paid you for you. It took, it took Christ. So there's a great value. But he bought us. Can I say it that way? Is that right? If, if, uh, this phone, pretty soon, maybe in about a month or two, I will have bought it. Hmm? Who would ever think a phone would cost so much money? You want your new iPhone? You just need about $1,000, $1,300. Who would ever thought you could, a, a, a cell phone cost over $1,000? But you know what? It's not, it's not a cell phone. Well, it is. The least thing this thing does is call people or receive calls. This thing's a computer. Right? Its least function is calling and receiving calls. I just read the, 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 the passing translation a while ago from right here. I could have brought all those Bibles with me. I could have spent all the time writing every translation down. I decided I'd just click and click and click and there it was. Amen. Now, I don't know if that means it's worth $1,000. I'm just saying they think it's worth $1,000. And the reason why they do is because they keep selling them for $1,000. Right? And as long as you've got orders and the demand and supply is there, they're going to keep doing The price is going to keep going up. Well, let me get off that subject. So, so after Christ redeemed us, which means he brought us back, it's important that we understand that 
that he didn't leave us as a, a free agent. Hmm. Now, you, you already know this, but I want you, I, I want you to think about this. He bought, he bought you back and brought you into harmony with God. He legally bought you. If you, I mean, I wouldn't want to use this as an analogy and teach on it, but, but if you go back to slavery, which is wrong as wrong could be, but if you bought a slave, they were yours and they were papers, right? And you legally owned that person, which even sounds terrible even saying it, because it is. But Jesus legally owns you. Anyone disagree so far? Jesus legally owns us. So he, he bought us back, but he did not leave you as a free agent. You were placed under a new authority. Hmm? See, he contrasted the old man, the new man, the first Adam and the last Adam, uh, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. You, you were in a kingdom, but you were translated into another kingdom. You, you, were, you were always in a kingdom. But now you've been brought into a new kingdom, but you're not there as a free agent. This is why no one's going to run around and get that excited when they hear about this. Huh? Because if we understood this, it would limit a lot of our choices. Yeah. And that's what they're not going to want to hear about. Right. Well, now, you know, God gave me a, a, a life to live. No, he killed you. He didn't give you a life. He, he came to kill you. We're, we're actually dead. I mean... The, the, the judgment seat for us is not for sins. Our sins have been taken care of. Right? So w what we give account for one day is what? What you did with this life in Christ. Well, if we're free agents, why, why do we have to show up for that? Oh, oh. oh. We have, do we have to show up for that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Does anyone get out of that? Does that sound like a free agent to you? <laughs> I mean, you mentioned the day that you're meeting Jesus and he's, he's waiting for our answer. I mean, it's just you looking into the eyes, not of Michael or Gabriel or Peter. Or you're looking into Jesus' eyes, and he's waiting for your answer. Of course, you can't get over anything over on him because <laughs> he, he knows all things, right? So that's not, that's not a negative thing, but I'm just saying my point is you're not a free agent. You was in the kingdom. Now you've been translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of the Son, and, and we, we had a master either way. Right? You were unrighteous and now you're righteous. You was dark, now you're light. You was the children of, of the devil, now you're the children of God. Yeah. Right? And so we're not, we're, we're not a free agent. But, but we've been placed under a new authority. So think of that, the Lord Jesus Christ, that now we are His and we belong to Him and that makes Him Lord and Savior. He's not just Savior. He's to be your Lord, which means he is the master. He's the ruler. He's the sovereign king and Lord. He's the, he's the boss. He's the master. He's the, he's the one who decides. He's the one who gives out the destiny. He's the one that says go. He's the one that says come. He's the one that says yes. He's the one that says no. He's the one that says stop it. 
You know, and Jesus asked the question in Luke chapter 6. He said, why, why do you keep calling me Lord? Because you don't do nothing, I tell you. So he, he said, why would you call me Lord if you don't obey me? Hmm? Now that sounds like a bad He said, well, I thought this was a church of grace. It is. Grace Life Church. But in the Great Commission, he said, all power and power has been given to me. Now I'll go do this and do this and do this and do this and tell them to obey all these teachings. I'll tell them to do what? Obey all these teachings that I have commanded you. So he demands obedience. Why? Because we belong to him. Hmm? I mean, your car is your car. If you want to maintain it, good, you should. But if you don't, it's your car. You can never change the oil. See how that works for you. Hmm? You can never do no maintenance on it. And, and it will until it won't. Hmm? You can be legally married and not, ma and not maintain your marriage. And it will till it won't. And you can uh, take your body and do whatever you want to and it will till it won't. And your body will tell you when it won't. It'll say, you did all of this to me you're going to do for a while. <laughs> and then you just hope it's something that you can fix. Right? Yeah. You know, abuse can just go on so long, right? That got real quiet now. I'm not just, not body, I'm talking about all of it, right? Praise the Lord. See, what's like in America, I asked Barbara one time because, you know, she worked for Dr. Copain. And so, you know, there's always cardiac, you know, and heart and all this kind of stuff. And I asked her, I said, because I remember I took my mom there, for, you know, when she was her patient. And I would have to sit there in the waiting room and I'd watch people come in and out and they was handling folks. And, you know, and it's America. So I'd say probably 75% of the people I watched come in, you know, while I was there, just sitting there waiting on my mother. I'd say 75% of people walked in the door was obese and some was grossly overbeast. And some of them walk, walked in with a wash tub of soda drink, but like that right there, you know, and, yeah. you know, and about carrying about 150 extra pounds. And I asked her one time, I said, how many people are really looking for answers to solve their problems or are they looking for something? Can you give me something to make the symptoms go away? And most, most people, right, by and large, just wanted, can you help me with my problem? I'm not really looking to make that many changes. <laughs> I'm not really looking to eat that. I'm not really looking to do nothing to get my, uh, I'm not looking to exercise. I'm not looking, you know, just can you give me a pill that makes the symptoms lesser or go away? Is that, is that the majority of people? That's the majority of people. It's America. So Jesus is Lord, so he, he's the one who calls the shots. Why? He owns us. Hey, Alan says, how come this ain't happening? He says, because I can't do, I can't use you to do that. He told, he told A.A. Allen, you'll never cast a devil out that you're submitting to. He said, the devils are laughing at you every time you say in Jesus' name, come out. He said, they're laughing at you. He said, they, they don't have to obey you. When they come to you and you willingly submit to them, and then you're going to tell them, but y'all have to go now. <laughs> he says, no. He says, but why? Because he says, because you're not under my lordship. See, the benefits of the kingdom, of being a citizen. Yeah. So when you don't come underneath lordship, a devil don't have to obey you because we're doing the same things that Lucifer did. 
You say, well, I prayed for people and didn't get results. Well, maybe because of them. Hmm? Just because you have some understanding about the Word and revelation, the power of the sinners in Christ in you, the hope of glory, doesn't mean you can override every decision and what they've been doing or not doing in their life. Then you wonder why it didn't work. Well, we're not here to condemn people. We're just saying people are making choices. If A.A. Allen couldn't get set, set people free until he, he dealt with some things, then those people who had some things probably got issues too. See what I'm saying? Now, does that mean our life has to be just great? No. No, Jesus was always helping people. He didn't turn anyone away. But we're talking about the, the, the great scheme of things about lordship. Doing okay? Is this too much? You all right? Anybody mad already? <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by Holy Spirit. No one can say. I can't say. You can't say Jesus is Lord unless we can say of that of the Holy Spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit acknowledges that he's your Lord, he's not. Jesus knows if he's our Lord. Now, he might say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm their Savior, but he would differ with he's their Lord. The way he said to me, like this day, he said, he said, he said if, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If I can't be Lord of all, I'm not Lord at all. I'll just have to be Savior. So here's this verse again. You don't want to turn there, but let's do it now in a lot of what we said. Philippians 2, 9, 11. Therefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and of the earth and underneath the earth, and every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there's coming a day soon when every person who ever lived will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Every person who's ever lived, every demon in hell is going to have to bow their name and acknowledge Jesus Christ is Lord. So he has total authority in heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth, and everyone one day will acknowledge we already have. But outside of this family, the day will come where every creature who ever lived Every spirit, demonic or otherwise, will bow their knee, heaven, earth, or beneath the earth, and say, Jesus is the Lord. He's Lord. So you never, you, you didn't wake up today and th have a thought about uh, somebody owns me. I'm, I haven't thought about that. Have you thought about that today? Well, when, when we don't think that way, then we think about what we want to do. And we do about what we want to do. Right. Which means that's how people fit things into their life. Whose life? Well, if he owns me, he owns my life. Is this, this too much? It, it'd be too much for a lot of people. Well, can you, can you see how it'd be too much for a lot of people? Yeah. If I say that you don't own yourself and someone owns you, let's say you mean like a slave, I said, kind of. Jesus, uh, Paul called, he said, I'm, I'm the bond slave of Jesus Christ. Have you introduced yourself that way to anybody lately? I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. I own nothing. He owns everything. He tells me what to do and I go do it. I, I don't own myself. I don't have a body. Huh? 
My body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. He just lets me barge. It's just called stewardship. Everything I own is his. If he says give it away, it's all got to be gone this afternoon. Because I don't, I don't even own me. Now, if you were to go back into a couple hundred years into slavery, and I and I ministered that, they'd understand it, right? Because you'll decide what they're going to eat and if they're going to eat. You decide where they're going to work or where they're going to work. You decide if they're going to live or they're going to die. You can decide if, if, if they're going to be punished, how, you, how they're going to be punished. And they have no say in it because they're a slave. We have a good Lord, though. We have a good master. We have a loving father. But he's Lord. He's absolute sovereign king, ruler, Lord, and he's a good, good father. Amen. Amen. Now, I knew that was kind of heavy, but <laughs> so I'll just give you a few things and we'll finish up here tonight. Jesus is Lord over all things as God and creator. Matthew 28, 18, said, don't turn this, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Colossians 1, 15, 7, now think about this. He's the Lord over all things as God and creator. True? I'm just trying to establish his lordship. The, 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 he's not a state trooper. His, his jurisdiction is beyond that. He's not the mayor of Jemison. He's not the governor of Alabama, and he's not the president of the United States. He, he, uh, he introduces himself as, I am the creator of all things. I own the earth and everything in it. You might say, this is my house. <laughs> the Lord says, but I own the earth. Where's your house at? Oh, well, he owns the earth. He says, the earth is mine. The planets are mine. The billions of galaxies are mine. I created everything. I owned everything. I made it for myself and for my people. Hmm? So, lordship. He is lord over all things. Colossians 1, 15, 7 says, He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation, Christ is. For by Jesus, the Lord, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Can you see lordship? Whether there's thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Our Lord is before all things, and in him all things are held together by his lordship. I don't see free agent in there. Do you? Uh, I'm not sure of that. I'll just keep it light tonight. I'll say it this way. A few years ago, I went through a situation and it looked like that's about it in doing some stuff. So I said, well, I'm going to go do this instead of that and I'll do this instead of that because this is, that's, that's pretty well ended things and about whatever I was talking about being ended. And there was about uh, two or three weeks when I was going through the situation, the Lord was comforting me and he was like this. 
he was doing that and kind of like rubbing, rubbing. It's like you, you know, just telling him, just hugging you and loving you. That's about two or three weeks. One morning he said, uh, "So, you say you're going to go do this, do that?" I says, "Well, yeah, I think Lord, I'd be the best thing to do. Don't you think so?" And then I'll just, then we'll come back another day and do that. He says, "So." You're going to go do this instead of that. I said, well, no. He said, but but I told you back in 19-whatever to do this. And I said, well, yeah, but but then this happened. He said, so did I Did I change my mind? I said, well, uh, well, I, well, I said, I, I guess not. He said, then all of a sudden, it, I mean, I felt it, it like this. He said, but then go do your job and do it now. And I said, uh, Lord? <laughs> and that was correct. Lord? See, the, the comfort part went away of me getting over my whatever happened, which I'm now trying to remember what it was that happened. And now he's saying, go do your job. That's lordship. Yeah. Right? That's absolute lordship. And uh, so it says that all things are subject to him. Jesus is Lord over all unseen powers. Acknowledging Jesus is Lord over everything, we can sometimes forget some aspects of everything involve seen and unseen powers, some of which are extraordinarily beneficial while others are diabolically detrimental to us. He's Lord of all. 1 Peter 3.22 says, Who at the right hand having gone into heavens after angels and authorities and powers and have been subject to him. Colossians 2.15 says, When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Hebrews 2.14 says, Therefore, since the children shall share in flesh and blood, he likewise also took part of the saying that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, he rendered him harmless and ineffective against you. Paraded him around three worlds. Amen. Jesus is Lord into a dimension that is far above any other power of being that has been or will be. 1 Corinthians 15, 27 says he has put all things in subjection under his feet. Jesus is Lord over sin and penalty. Jesus is Lord over death. Hmm? 1 Corinthians 15, 20-26 says, But now Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by one man came death, Adam, but a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits after those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom of God and Father and who when he has abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. He is the Lord over death. 
and will be put under his foot. He, Jesus, is the Lord over hell. Hmm? Not something that you feel like is going through hell in your life. He, no, he's the Lord over hell. Some said, was that scriptural? I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't. Revelation 1, 17, 18 says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He placed his right hand on me, saying, Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades, hell. I have the keys to hell. Which means I'm the Lord over it. I got the keys of death and hell. I'm in charge here. So he owns me. Well, I don't know if I feel like going this morning. He didn't ask you. He already told you. Well, you know, I don't... We could use the money this week. Maybe the Lord knows. Maybe we'll just tithe the first week and the fourth week. Whatever you want to do. Amen. Amen. I'll just keep looking at him as Lord. He'll make it work. I'm talking about you. See, this just helps me understand. Now, when I get to the other part, you'll say, you're making him sound kind of stern. <clears throat> well, when, when the dispensation of grace is over with, <laughs> it'll change. It, it, then, you'll, then you'll know the measure of the whole thing. Huh? We're living in the dispensation of grace, but when, when, that's o- when that's over, and he reckons all things and fixes all things and comes back and, and we're, we're taken out, then he'll, he'll deal with all these situations. And he'll deal with Satan. And he'll send an angel, one, with one chain and lock him up for a thousand years. Then he'll be loose for a season. Do some other things and he'll come back. He'll be chained there forever. And we'll be in heaven forever. But when, when we understand his complete authority and when we understand his lordship, then, we've, then we get to the place where we understand we've come underneath his lordship You'll, you'll feel really well about yourself saying, well, he's my Lord and I'm underneath this authority. I'm underneath this love. I'm, I'm in this love. Man, this is what he's done for me. Man, boy, they don't know who they're messing with. Ooh, they, you know, you, you can tell the devil, say, I don't feel ba- sorry for you, but you don't mess with me because I'm just going there and pray to the Lord. <laughs> and when I pray to the Lord, oh, you're in trouble. Because I'm fixed to talk to the Lord about it. I'm telling. <laughs> you know, I was in a family of four siblings. We was always telling. <laughs> he did, she did, they did. No, I'm pointing at Mama, uh, they did it, right? So we just tell them, I'm, t- I'm telling. You, you, you better let, I'm going to count to three, two. And if you don't let me go, I'm going to tell the Lord, and he's going to bruise you again. One, two. Because you'll understand lordship, right? But the other side of that is when the Lord says, go here, do this. See, otherwise we're just always preaching the candy of the gospel. And I like candy. We're, we're, we're doing the sweet side of it, but we're not, we're not doing the other side of it. So that scripture, if I didn't finish it while I go, the analogy of the... Uh, the military, as Paul said, we have, it's in what, First Timothy or Second, I don't know, Timothy. He says, we have, I think it's the uh, Amplified says, 
we have enlisted in the army of the Lord. And we are here to please the one who enlisted us. We are pleased. We're serving at his pleasure. To please the one who enlisted us by not becoming entangled with the affairs of life. If we deny him, he'll deny us. Which is one of A. Allen's things about he would have to learn how to deny himself. The biggest one was in Matthew chapter 10. Which, uh, I don't want to get into A. Allen's thing, but the biggest thing was we can, no one, ever, all of us can be as our Lord, but no one will be over your Lord. But we can have his ministry, we can have his results, we can have his success in the results. So Matthew 10 says you can be as the Lord, but no no pupil is over their Lord. So if it required him to stay up sometimes and lose some sleep praying to have authority over this and deal with these things, he says, so you so you can have all the success he did and don't have to pay none of the price he paid? You can be as him, but you don't have to do anything that he did? Hmm? You know, while the disciples are sleeping, he's praying and he's fasting. So you can be as the Lord and get the results the next morning. But you might have to be as your Lord and do what he did sometimes. You're not going to be above him and say, well, just Lord, give, give me all the results. And I really don't want to do nothing. Because I've often thought, you know, people say, well, I just don't like to read. Well, well, just change your mind and say you do. Faith comes by hearing, Right. I mean, I've just often wondered, you know, and I've, I've shared this before with Joshua chapter 1. He's telling him, here's how you're going to succeed. You're going to take Moses' job, okay? You're going to need to meditate the word day and night, right? You're going to need to keep it in front of your eyes and in your mouth and speak it and hear it and meditate on it, and you'll have good success. And you're going to do it every day. In other words, you have to read what Moses read and act on it every day. And, you have, and, then, he says, and then you'll have good success. But what if Joshua would have said, well, Lord, I, you know, but I don't like to read I don't, I don't know what the Lord would say. What do you think he'd have said? What do you think God would tell me? He said, well, Josh, well, I don't, you know, gee, I don't, I don't like to read. So I don't, I don't think I'd meditate much. I, I don't even think the Lord would have answered him. I think he'd do like he's done me many times. Let me look at somebody else. Huh? I don't like to read. Well, just change your mind. My mother put in front of me in Detroit, Michigan, he, she put liver and onions and peas, and peas and carrots. To this day, I hate all that. I don't like peas and carrots. I like carrots, sort of. Rather have them raw than cook. I can eat anything if I need to. But she put liver and onion, peas and carrots, and she says, eat it. And I, I, I didn't want that. And But she was bigger than I was because in Detroit, I was four or five years old. And so she was bigger. And uh, so I'll never forget. It's, it's funny what you remember. I, I remember sitting and looking out the window at cars pass by till late at night. And she walked in. She said, son, you might as well eat your peas and carrots and you live or not. Because she said, you're, you're not going to leave this room until they're all gone. I said, well, mom, I, I, don't, I can't stand this stuff. She says, I didn't ask you that. I told you to eat it. This is what I cooked and you're going to eat it. 
Now, whether she's right or wrong, I'm just making a point here. And uh, I said, well, can I eat half of it? She said, she said, you can eat that half, and then you can eat this half. Or you can turn around the other way and eat that half, and you can eat this half. And when it's all gone, you can get up. And you ain't getting up until it's all gone. Who do you think won? She did. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want liver stunt. Don't want it today. And if she were here today, she'd tell me to, I'd tell her no. <laughs> no. <laughs> if I'm a grown boy now, I need to stop growing. <laughs> All right, last one. Jesus is Lord over every eternal destiny of every person. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son in the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged. See, you've already been judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is Lord over your eternal destiny of every person. Those who believed has already been judged. Those who not are yet to be. Amen. Jesus is Lord. I bet Brother Copeland can tell you something about that. He's been saying it for 50 years, right? Jesus is Lord on every broadcast. I hope that'll help you just a little bit if you'll just meditate on that some during the week. And just think, well, he's he's Lord, which would mean I'm not. Let's see. He's absolute authority. He's supreme being. He's he's owner. He's master. He's boss. He's sovereign ruler. He's king. Uh, I'm not a free agent. He owns everything. His his plan's right. His will's right. His love is right. He's the good God. Amen. And he's Lord. He's absolute Lord. So A.A. Allen said when that last time he said hours had gone by and he knocked on the door and his wife opened the door and knocked, about knocked her backwards. She said, you've you got your answer. And said so the glory of the room was filled and he says, I've talked to him. He, he come dragging out with his little bitty pencil <laughs> chewed off with his teeth like a beaver in his cardboard box. He said, all, and they just read, he said, I erased the last two. It was too personal. He said, me and my wife, we just went over the scriptures and we wept and we cried and we wept and cried. And he said, and I went around the world watching people set free and delivered. You know, people coming off stretchers. You, know, you, you, can, look up, you can look up Jack Cole if you've never done it on YouTube and see a lot of miracles way back then. Just well, if you ever saw any of them, I used to show them years ago. Just look up A. Allen Miracles and hit YouTube, and you'll watch people come up off out of wheelchairs, and you'll watch them come off stretchers, and you'll watch people who's paralyzed walk and all such as that. He said, I didn't have none of that. He said, it took me five years to get to that list. He said, I thought I'd die before I did. He said, I'm talking about my flesh. The flesh wants to do what it wants to do when it wants to do it. Amen. So, <clears throat> anyway... If you're interested in reading that book, let me know and I'll, I'll get, well, just uh, uh, put in your search engine, A.A. Allen, uh, Creative Miracle Power, something like that. 
or just do it this way. Put in A. A. Allen books and then put PDF. And he has two or three books that are that you can. But that'll probably be the biggest one that you'll see. It'll have a yellow and black cover on the front of it. And it'll give you all the things that he had to deal with within himself. And then when you, if you read the book, take the time, you'll find out that most of what he dealt with is what we need to deal with. Because people are pretty much the same. Aren't they? Well, all right. Well, let's receive the offering before we go. Tonight's our million-dollar offering. Is there five Wednesdays or four in this month? Five? Well, that'll be five million dollars just this month. If we do it all five, all we take a million every five every Wednesday, I'm gonna take everybody to Longhorns this week or in the month. Like we can afford it, five million. Did you look it up? Price of God's miracle working power. It's got a yellow and black cover. But he put it in a PDF format. You, you can scroll through there and read the book. You'll see the front of the book tells the story of being in the room and asking his wife to let me out of here. <laughs> he can smell roast underneath the door. She, she, he said, why'd you let me out? She said, well, you said the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. She said, you're weak. <laughs> Isn't that kind of interesting? No, here's a man who wanted to know something, and he just made up his mind. If i got to stay in here three days or three months, I'm going to stay in here, and I'm going to fast to seek God. And God said, well, if you want to know, I sure want to tell you. And he just showed up in his closet. Is he the one that had the 26, that woman in Birmingham that didn't Shambach work for A. Allen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, y'all said, well, Ronald C., when he was here last year, he was telling something about it. But uh, um, Shambach, R.W. Shambach, which he knows in heaven now, he used to work for A. Allen. He says, they asked him, so what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen, Brother Shambach? He says, well, that's easy to take. He said, the greatest miracle I've ever seen is when I worked for A.A. Allen in Birmingham, Alabama. About a baby, wasn't it? And what had to happen for that baby to live. Baby had like 26 situations, wasn't it? And uh, I think it's all on YouTube. I don't know if it's narrated by R.W. Shambach. I can't remember, but that is amazing. Uh, video to watch. Y'all watch it sometime. And uh, other things, not in this book, I would say, well, I would just lay hands on the sick and I'd say, be healed in Jesus' name. And he said, and they weren't. And we had some things and sometimes they were and sometimes they'd be healed and sometimes we'd get some little things. But he says, but what was in the scripture was never in our life or ministry. It just wasn't. And I wanted to know why. And I was determined I wasn't going to come out of that room until I find out why. And the Lord says, I've come here to I've come here to answer the question mark as to why. He said, you can be as your master, but you can't be over your master. But you can be just like him and do what he does, but you have to be as him. 
In other words, if, if it required Jesus a certain mindset, if it required Jesus to pay a certain price, how do you think you're going to get Jesus' results, but you pay none of his price? Hmm? You can be as your Lord, not over the Lord, but you can have his results. But here's what Jesus did. Hmm? And he didn't give in to pride. And he wasn't greedy. And he wasn't selfish. And he wasn't all these things that are in the book. And so <clears throat> there's a chapter there about denying yourself and taking up your cross daily. And a number of things in the book. So I think it'd be really good. And if you're willing to, you might even get to the place where you might say, Lord, if there's anything in me, if there was. I mean, show me the one thing that might be standing in my way that's a little bit of a hindrance. And he might come up with one thing. Y'all are tough bunch tonight. Hmm? But, you know, just me, I've read that book that I'm telling you about three or four times through the years. But reading it again, he said, uh, study and minister on lordship. Study from that perspective. See, because you're the king of kings, the lord of lords. So we're, we're talking about a kingdom. And you're operating within the kingdom to get kingdom results. You can't get his results when you're not... You you got to be underneath the authority of the kingdom, right? So if I'm got a lot of things in my life that's not as he is, so are we. How do I get the same results? Hmm. You know, if I'm the if if you're a football college or NFL, and everybody goes to the gym five days a week, and I go one because I don't really want to work out that much, it's probably going to show up down the road, right? I can't. I couldn't blame anybody. Amen. So this it, it's a tougher message. I get that. It's not. It's not for nominal Christians, and y'all aren't. But if if you want to be a normal Christian, I'll leave you alone. Well, you agree that you think that's a? Would you call that a nominal sermon? It should be right. But I'm just saying, if you, if you want to be a nominal Christian, you want to be just. A, Hey, I just want to have a good life, go to church, you know, most most time, and die and go to heaven. I'm not even talking to you, huh? But if you want to slap the taste out of the devil's mouth and run him, and he's and it's always little Helen's out of town, and uh, the blind to see and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear, right there. I'm talking to you. But if you ain't into that, I'm not talking to you at all. And I still love you. I just just not talking to you tonight. We'll talk another time. <laughs> you know, that that ain't for everybody. That wouldn't be everybody's top book to read. But see, when I, when, I, when I find something like that, the price of God's miracle and work of power, I'm getting no results. Took me five years to about kill my flesh. And when I did, the next meeting, bam, 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 bam. They said devils were screaming. He's walking in. He's walking into the, it's not in this book, but another book said after that five year, years, he said that he didn't even get to preach. He started walking into the room. The music was playing. And as soon as Alan walked in the room, he said devils went, ah, ah, and they started screaming just because he walked in the room. He said they weren't before. <laughs> and his wife said he's, honey, is, is that pot roast? <laughs> so it was a process. Amen.